Take your Bible this morning. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Psalm. <clears throat> this is my third time to speak in this Bible conference. And my, what a joy it's been to be here and to be a part of it and to hear the other messages that were given. My own soul has been stirred and fed. The book of the Psalms, of course, is one of the greatest loved portions of the Word of God. It is the Psalm of the heart, the book of the heart. 122 times in the book of Psalms, we have the word heart given to us. And uh, we see in the first two Psalms, we noticed in the other studies, those two Psalms are kind of set aside. A, a name is not given to them. The author is not given of those two Psalms. But they cast a shadow throughout that, that lasts throughout the rest of the Psalm. The first Psalm is an emotional Psalm. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Starts with a positive, ends with a negative because it compares that man who walks with God with the ungodly man. Psalm 2, intellectual Psalm. And uh, asks ask the question, starts right off. Why do the heathen rage? Why? And it poses a deep question. I shared with, a, with the students on Friday morning and those who were there uh, what one philosophy professor done in writing on the board, the simple question, why? And how someone had written back and said, why not? After the service on uh, Friday morning, Brother Mike Kokora said, Brad, if I'd, I'd have been uh, answering that question, I'd have said, just cause. I said, that sounds just like you, Mike. That's exactly the way you'd do it. But uh, that's an intellectual approach. And here we have the negative that's turned over to God and becomes a positive. And so we have a, a shadow cast, a theme that is cast throughout the rest of the psalm. But to this morning, we start a trilogy of psalms. Uh, psalm 3, Psalm 4, and Psalm 5 are the three psalms that were written by David when he was being pursued by his own son, Absalom. There is not a darker day in the life of David than comes to our minds and hearts and our scrutiny today as he sat down to pen Psalm 3, Psalm 4, and Psalm 5. I said that Psalms is the, is, is the, is the uh, communication of the soul. It's the keyboard, if you will, of the soul. It plays all 88 of the keys of the heart. And here in the very first psalm that is given a title and is given an author, we start at the very lowest part of the keyboard, the rumblings of the heart of David. And we're going to answer the question this morning, how can a running man find rest? You see, Psalm 1 answers the question, how can a righteous man find reassurance? And Psalm 2 answers the question, how can a rebellious man find restitution? And then the third psalm comes to us. How can a running man find rest? David was no stranger to battle. He was no stranger to loneliness. He was no stranger to danger. As a boy, his father sent him in the fields. And I suppose as a little boy, my favorite stories of the Bible that my mother would read to me, my father in evangelism, gone so very much. And those night times became precious times when my mother would sit down and open the Word of God and read to me the stories out of the Bible. And I don't believe there was any portion of the Scripture that was more special to me than the exploits of David. 
how God would send him out and how God sustained him and how God anointed him and how God used him. But David was no stranger to loneliness. He was no stranger to danger. He was no stranger to battle. For even as a young man, as he, be, as he came into the kingdom, you know how the people would sing of Saul and they'd say, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. But my friend, when we come to Psalm 3, David is running from some enemies that he's never really faced before. For it is not loneliness. It is not a giant like Goliath. It is not the armies of the Philistines that pursue him. It is his own flesh and blood and literally it is his own soul that drives him. The first two verses reveal to us David's problem. His problem, his problem is in his own soul. In verse 2 it says, Many there be which say of my soul. In verses 3 and 4, we come to David's prayer. His problem and then his prayer. It is one of deep supplication. And in verse 3 and 4, he literally opens his heart to us and allows us to hear his prayer. And then in verses 5 and 6, we see a strange thing happen. For here David receives of God his peace. David's problem, David's prayer, David's peace. In an incredible peace. A peace that in the midst of danger and turmoil produces sleep. There's the problem of his soul. There is the prayer of supplication. There is here a peace that will produce sleep. And then finally, verses 7 and 8, he gives his praise for God's salvation. There are three words, or there is a word that's used three times in Psalm 3 that's very important to understand this psalm. It is the word selah. It means stop, pause, think about that. In this setting, I believe it could very easily be used. Well, what do you think about that? For in the second verse, they gather around him and they whisper behind his back and he hears what they're saying and the cry comes, there is no help for him in God. And David says, what do you think about that? But then down in verse 4, he declares, I cried. He heard me. What do you think about that? And then in the last verse, he stands tall and straight and declares, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. What do you think about that? And so in order to really understand Psalm 3, you have to give special consideration to these three little words. Let's dive right in to the verse 
1 and 2, his problem. Before us we have these verses. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. You'll notice that he says they are, they are increased. My trouble is increased. They rise up against me. This once loyal army that had followed David and would follow him into the very teeth of death, now under the influence of Absalom, comes after their fugitive king. That army that he once prayed over, that he was proud over, now comes after him. And he cries out of his heart and he says, Oh God, they, they rise up against me. They, they, they seem to multiply before me and they get bigger before me. There is a, a, a numerical increase and there seems to be a power increase. And I feel so, strong, so weak and, and they seem so strong. But I want to remind you this morning, folks, this is not the battle that David's faced because as I mentioned in verse 2, he said, it's in my soul. And you say to me this morning, Brother Bradley, what is the battle that's going on here in the soul of David? Let me, let me suggest to you four things. There may be those among us this morning in this great auditorium, this host of people here, or those listening by radio, who could identify with the conflict that is going on in the very soul of David. First of all, he had the conflict of the reality of his own crimes. Old Joab and Jehoiada and, uh, and, and, and uh, Abishai, three of his mighty men are with him. You get this story. We won't have time this morning to go over and look at 2 Samuel chapter 15. You find that word comes to David and he says, Absalom has won the hearts of the people. You've got to get out of, of Jerusalem. And so David and his people get up and they travel out of Jerusalem up through the Mount of, of Olives and up onto the mountain. And the Bible says it was a tearful journey as they went and they got as much distance as they could. And the end of a long journey, they sit down by a campfire and the army lays down, they are weary. They traveled all night long and all day long to flee from the, from the pursuit of Absalom's army. And the men are out, but old Joab looks at his captain's face. He's followed him. And this weathered soldier who's been with his king up and down, he looks at him with troubled heart, for the tears of David have not ceased all day long. And the fires begin to burn low and David sits there and the tears are coming down his cheek and there is no rest for King David. And Joab, his trusted friend, his commander-in-chief, looks at his king and he prays and he says, Oh God, please be with my king. What a story. You ought to read it over in 2 Samuel chapter 15, 16, 17, all the way through there. Joab is there and these other mighty men are there. But David, in his own soul, is searching his heart, as many of us do. God, I know the crimes of my past. I know the failures of my past. Is that the reason that I am here, being pursued by my own son? But not only the reality of his, of his, of his crimes, there is the remembrance that comes to him of his own conscience. For there is Joab, and there is Jehoiada, and there is Abishai, the man who killed 300 men in hand-to-hand -hand combat, mighty men and others. But David scans that crowd and in that darkness, he realizes that one place is empty there. One of his mighty men is not there. Uriah the Hittite is not numbered among them that night. And like a knife in his conscience, God reminds him 
of his failure. God reminds him of his sin. God reminds him of the murder and adultery and, and, and all of the cover-up and all of the things that were there. And he is fighting tonight the remembrance of his conscience. And then there is the reproach of his own child. Nothing hurts the heart of a parent like a child that has gone astray. But then when that child goes so far from God that they literally come back after their parents, there is no sorrow like that sorrow. This morning, I had the joy of seeing my boys for a few moments. One of them called me on the phone. Dad, how you doing? Fine. Just want you to know I'm praying for you. Hey, there's not anything sweeter than that. Old Rusty came up and said, are you scared? I said, shut your mouth. <laughs> Leave me alone. He said, I'm for you, Dad. Hey, there's not anything like that. David had dreams for Absalom. Absalom, you read the story of Absalom. He was born in perfection. The Bible says there was not a flaw on Absalom from the bottom of his foot to the top of his head. He was, and it really it's a beautiful picture of man, created in perfection. David had dreams for Absalom. And when Absalom was killed, David cried, Absalom, Absalom, my son, Absalom, would God, I could have died for thee. Let me tell you something, nothing hurts the heart of God the Father like His children who go astray. Do not ever think that our children mean more to us than we mean to our Heavenly Father. And when David cried in the darkness that night, the tears that came down his cheeks for his crimes, yes, for his conscience, yes, but for the reproach of his own child was upon him. And his soul is exercised within his body. And there are tears in the night. And then his companions whisper behind his back. His companions. It's over for David. He's gone too far. He's too old. He won't make it back. There's no help left for him in God. But out of that setting, and it was probably about that time that Joab drops off to sleep. His body's weary. But somewhere in the night, David gets alone with God as he's done so many times. And look at verse 3 and 4. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory... The lifter up of mine head, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. What do you think about that? His prayer. I want you to notice the passion of his prayer. I believe today man has somewhat gotten away from the awesomeness of his own sin. The awesomeness of his need. We've also gotten away from the sweetness of the tears of repentance. 
Oh, how sweet it is in the eyes of God when His children in deep repentance comes to Him and there are tears. And David cried, he said, I cried unto the Lord. I believe it was a cry of remorse. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Oh God, I failed you so often. Oh God, he cried unto the Lord. But there were tears of reliance, for he says, Lord, you're the only hope I have. You're my shield. You've always been my shield. You've been the lifter up of my head. You think he might have been thinking about that day when he as a little boy looked up at old Goliath. He measured Goliath not with his own stature, but he measured Goliath against God Almighty. And in his soul, that little boy said, you're not so big. Not when you're measured up beside God. And he took that little old stone and in that sling and he killed Goliath. Took that sword, chopped his head off, took that head back and threw it into Saul's tent. And he was lifted up and now he cries, God, you're my shield. You're, you're the lifter up of my head. His reliance on God comes out. And his prayer for restoration Oh God, I want to go back. I want to be back in fellowship with you. He cried the passion of his prayer, the person of his prayer. I cried unto the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The Lord, God, Jehovah, I cried unto the Lord. What Lord is that? The Lord God, Jehovah, is, is, the, is the one who keeps his word. He's the God of all grace. That's who He is. And He directed His prayer to the Lord God Jehovah. Procurement. What did He procure with His prayer? The passion of His prayer and that person? Ah, there was the praise. Hear the glory. Somehow there in the night, God met David. He said, you, you're the lifter up of my head. You're my salvation. And then there comes into his soul a sweet peace in the next two verses. In verse 5 and 6, look at this. Pursued by his own son. Thousands of the armies under Absalom's care coming to kill him. Look what he says in verse 5 and 6. I laid me down and slept. I awaken for the Lord sustain me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves around about me. His peace, peaceful sleep, a personal sustainer, and perfect safety in the will of God. May I say to you this morning, there is no peace apart from the person of Christ. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, I have good news for you. There is both forgiveness and salvation, but there is also blessed peace for your soul. 
When you receive Christ as your personal Savior, deep abiding peace comes in that the world cannot give and cannot take away. And here is a man in the darkest hour of his night, the worst day that he ever lived, and he is laying his head on his pillow and he said, because of the peace of God I lay me down and I slept for the Lord sustained me. And that wonderful sweet peace that comes to those who put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing like it. And then we come to the last two verses, his praise. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Now you have to remember, David's a warrior. He's not a little penny-waist, lily-livered, macaroni-backbone person. He said, God, you have sake. Look, look what he said about this. He said, you smote their cheek. He said, you stop that. You look at, I'm, I'm not putting it in here. Thou hast broken their teeth. You knocked their teeth out. You slapped them on the cheek. You knocked their teeth out. You are my salvation. Oh, my. Something happened to David that night. He remembered who his God was. He remembered what his God could do. You see, in these three things, you smote their cheek a slap on the face. You, you're going to destroy their credibility. Lord, you're going to shut their mouth. You're going, to, you're going to take the bite out of everything they're saying. Their teeth are going to be gone. Now let's go back just for a moment. Do not forget where he's coming from. What he is literally saying here is, God, I've passed through the door of forgiveness. I've passed through the door of restoration. I've passed through the door of your cleansing. And my crimes of the past no longer can hold on to my soul. He wasn't afraid of those armies. He knew God could go over. We won't have time in this Bible study while I'm here with you. We'll, do, we'll look at five tonight. But in, in, in chapter five, I mean chapter four tonight, but in chapter five, in this trilogy, while he is being pursued, he said, I'm going back and worship God at the Holy Mount. I'm going to worship God back in the temple again. He, he knows God's going to take care of what he's saying here is, my sins, the crimes of the past, oh God, what can I do about them? And then he realizes that God is the God of his salvation. God is the God of forgiveness. What about the conscience, the hound of the night that comes and pulls up before us those things that we've done, hurt the heart of God, destroyed our testimony, and cut away the fellowship. Oh, how sweet it is when we can come to God and in remorse and in that repentant spirit say, Oh, God, wash that away. You know what I find? I find that the devil enjoys bringing the sins of the past back up to his people after they've already confessed them. 
And when a little trouble comes in their life, they begin to say, Lord, I'm, I, I know what I did. And they begin to question themselves. Listen, my friend. If it's under the blood, it's under the blood. Never to be remembered again. The only reason that we ought to be reminded of our sins of the past once they're forgiven. Now, if they're still unforgiven, you need to rush to the Savior today. You need to run to Him and say, Oh God, forgive me. But once you place them under the blood and the Satan comes in the night to remind you of those things of which you're ashamed and those things that have been done in the past. And you know what you ought to do? You ought to turn it on Him. Just turn it on. And say, you know, devil, I'd forgotten about that. Boy, that was bad, wasn't it? But isn't God good? Look what He forgave me for. Lord Jesus, You're wonderful. You're tremendous. You're so wonderful. God, You're my shield. I won't ever have to face the wrath of God again. You're the one that lifteth up my head. I can stand before a righteous God, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Oh, praise His name. And you know what? The devil will not remind you of those things of the past. He'll leave them. And David gets victory that night. And in the morning when Joab awakens, there's a smile on David's face and there's peace in those cheeks of the king. And old Joab looks at him and I think David goes over and he says, Joab, let me show you what I wrote last night. Ah, oh, Joab, it was a dark day. And my sin came up on me and I didn't think I could take another step, Joab. It was a terrible day. But Joab, God met me last night. And God reminded me and God restored me and now Joab let me say something to you salvation belongeth unto the Lord what do you think about that and they went on and though their army was much smaller you know the story when Absalom came David divided up his people among those mighty men and God gave them great victory. I do not know what it would cause or what would be the cause in your own life. I do not know where you are this morning, but I know one thing. God knows where you are. It may be the crimes of the past. It may be those things that are hanging on the walls of your conscience. It may be the failure in your own children. Maybe this is special to me, and forgive me for giving this illustration. But maybe this is special to me because in our home there were five children. My dad had five children. And on one of our children, the devil seemed to put his claws and never turned him loose. And I've prayed with my dad at night, and I've heard him say to me, Son, maybe I ought to just give up the ministry. Maybe I ought to lay down my Bible. Maybe I'm no longer worthy to preach the gospel. I'm glad he didn't do that. 
God took my brother home. But this morning I declare to you from the Word of God, and I preach today the same book my daddy preaches. And my younger brother David preaches this morning in Columbus, Georgia, Grace Baptist Church. He's the pastor. And my other brother and his family are firmly fixed in a good church. And we're just talking about it. He's a Christian businessman. Children go to Pensacola Christian High School. And my little sister is a pastor's wife in Birmingham, Alabama. Hey, listen. Don't let the devil steal from you what God wants to give you. Whether it be crimes, whether it be the conscience, whether it be your whether it would be your failure with your children, or whether it would be the crowd around you that tries to tell you there's no help for him in God, there's no future in trusting God. Don't listen to their voice today. Come to the last verse. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Let's bow our heads together. All of this great auditorium this morning, our hearts are bowed before God. Christians are praying. I hope you'll search your soul. Let me ask you to remain in an attitude of prayer for just a moment. We've heard some wonderful messages this week in the Bible conference. God's spoken to my own heart. He may have spoken to your heart. In one of those messages, maybe the Holy Spirit brought something to your mind. Today is the day to nail that thing down and say, Lord, I lay it on your altar. Maybe this morning there is deep in your soul a conflict that needs to be resolved. Maybe there are those here today who said, Preacher, I need the sweet peace of God. I need to come back to the Lord. I want to pray with you. I wonder how many in this building would say, all of this building, no one looking around. But you'd say, Brother Price, God has spoken to my heart. God knows my need. I want you to pray with me. I want to be what God wants me to be. I want God to touch my life. I need to be saved. I need to get right with God. I need the power of God in my life. You say, I need God in my life. Please pray with me. Would you slip up your hand all over this building? Whatever it might be. Yes, 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 yes. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All the way in the back, over on this side. Yes, God bless you. God knows my need. God has spoken to my heart. I want to be what God wants me to be. Dear precious Spirit of God, I pray this morning that you might bring your people to the foot of the cross this morning. And there they, may they find forgiveness. May they find peace. May they find the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to be all that they need. Oh God, I pray you'd help us today. Please, dear Lord, help folks to be saved. May they've been saved this week. May they come today and make that public profession of their salvation. Others, oh God, that 
fight a conscience, fight those things. I pray today they'd put them under the blood never to be remembered again. Lord, I pray that they'd come home to the Lord. In your precious name, amen.